0: been doing this series and this is the last series, uh, the, last, uh, the last message in this series called The Worth of the Word. And, and we were looking at the Bible and why is it an authority? How is it possible that we could trust a, a set of documents, a, a, a series of books that have been collected from thousands of years ago? How is this authoritative to us? How can it possibly speak into our life and culture? And we talked about the historical authority of the, the Bible. We talked about the cultural authority of the Bible. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Ruah. Do you remember that? Say that with me. Ruah. It's a lot of fun to say one more time. Ruah. And how in the New Testament, that's called Numa. And, and the idea of God breathed His Spirit. And so this, this book that we have in our hand, or, or the book that you have on your phone or your tablet... It's not words on a page. It's breath on a page. It's the word of God, his revelation to you, and he's speaking to you right now through this book. And it's powerful if you'll listen. It's powerful if you'll open it, if you'll read it. It has the ability and the power to transform lives. And and today I just want to wrap it up. You know, we've been dealing with stuff with the fire, right? People have lost their homes, some people that we love. Some people have been displaced. Some people are are just uncertain and going through fear and difficulties and tribulations right now. I just found out this morning that last night a a friend of mine from years ago uh, passed away in a tragic car accident. Boom, just like that. And he's with the Lord. And it breaks my heart. But for many people, that's a scary thing to think that your life could be over very soon. One of these days we're going to meet our maker. And that either fills you with hope and excitement. Or it fills you with dread and fear. This morning, I want to speak to you out of one of the most powerful passages in the scripture. For those of you going through transition or those of you going through fearful times, or those of you going through painful times, sorrowful times. This is God's word to you and me. And here's the truth. God wants you to be close to him. In fact, you could be as close to God as you want. He's, He's allowed through Jesus, through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and raising again on the third day, he's allowed us to be as close to him as we want. If we will just just believe and trust in Jesus. But that also means we have to turn from our sin and turn to God. You know, we want to we focus on God's promises. But it's really hard for us to obey his commands. Right? You guys still with me? It's really easy to, to like look at God's promises and say, oh, he promises to be with us. He promises to protect us. He promises to provide for us. And that's all healthy and great and wonderful, and it's true. But the promises only apply to those who are willing to obey his commands, are willing to follow his book. So look with me in Joshua chapter 1. If you've got your little handout, we're going to get to this. I actually had the one from last, last time because I saved it. I don't know if any of you did, but it's the exact same one. But uh, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. Now, I want to remind you guys that this happens in the context of transition. Joshua 1 takes place in the context of transition. There was this guy named Moses, powerfully used by God. And Joshua was his assistant. Okay. Assistant to the regional Moses. All right, for any of you that watched The Office. Okay, that was Joshua. And here he is. Now it's time for him to step up. Moses has died. So they're sad. They're going through sorrow. There's a transition time, which means things are uncertain. And then there's also fear. Fear. Because, oh, by the way, there's this huge task that God has said, hey, you know what, by the way, I want you to go and take over this whole land. This is actually your land. These people think it's their land, but I've actually given it to you. They just don't know that yet. And so here's the word of God. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, I love that, assistant to the regional Moses, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, this river. You and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. In verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Everywhere your foot lands is is some place that I've given to you. I've already given it to you. You're not even there yet, but I've actually given it to you. That's kind of a cool promise right there. From the wilderness in Lebanon, as far as the great river, and the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun, everywhere shall be your territory. In verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. And courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whoo! I'm ready. I love that. I love, it's like, it's like a, a locker room pregame pep talk from a coach. You know, I'm thinking Vince Lombardi, you know, and he, he's just saying, I have not a command. You be strong and courageous, and you can just. You can feel the courage that God is giving to Joshua. Are you with me? Yeah, it's, it's powerful. And we love that. You know, when my wife and I went to India, I, I'm always talking about India. I'm sorry about that. It's just honestly, the bottom line is, that was a very crazy time in our life. And uh, we went through some crazy stuff. But one of the things is we put a, a poster on our wall. It was Joshua 1.9. And whenever I read joshua 1 9 it's it's really my wife's life verse and so i think of my wife and i'm amazed at this verse and it's a beautiful verse be strong and courageous have not i commanded you be strong and courageous for the lord your god is with you wherever you go i love that now here's god and he's speaking to joshua and it starts out the context moses is dead God even says to Joshua, hey, Moses, he's dead. So here's what I'm going to do. You're the guy, Joshua. And I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Now, here's the deal, though. Do you remember Exodus chapter 3? There was this... This fiery burning bush that wasn't actually like burning up. It was just on fire. Do you remember that? And it, was, it, it drew Moses there and he saw it. And, and it was this amazing miraculous moment where God was speaking to Moses through the fire. Are you with me? Do you remember that? Now, God said to Moses, I will be with you and you're going to take my people from slavery in Egypt. And you're going to deliver them to the land that I will show you, the promised land. And so Moses said, oh, I can't do it. I just, I can't do it. You know, I, I, nobody's going to listen to me. They don't like me. Forty years ago, they, they basically kicked me out. And so for 40 years, I've just been a shepherd. I'm, you don't realize who I am, God. And God said, okay, Moses, see that hand you have? I want you to put it into your pocket. Imagine this. Take your hand. Look at your hand. Go ahead and look at your hand. Look at that hand. He said, take your hand and put it into your pocket. You can put it in, well, it's hard when you're sitting down. He put his hand in his pocket and he said, okay, now take out your hand from your robes. And he took out his hand and, and it was white with leprosy. Can you imagine this? And God said to Moses, whenever people doubt you, you can do this. When they doubt you that you are from me, when they don't believe that I am the Lord and that I have sent you, I want you to just take your good hand and put it in your robe and then pull it out and it will be filthy with leprosy. And then you put it right back in there and then you pull it out again and it'll be good as new. And you could do this. You could show that you have authority from me in this way. And then God said, what's that in your hand, Moses? And he said, oh, it's, it, it, it's just a rod. It's just a staff. God said, throw it on the ground. And so Moses threw it on the ground, and it became this snake. Do you remember this? And when they doubt you, Moses, you can, you can do this with your, with, your, with your staff. And they'll see that there's something to this. And so he did that. And, and then there was the plagues, the ten plagues. And God showed up powerfully, even, even blotting out the sun for three days. And he did all of these mighty signs and wonders with Moses. And he had all of this authority. And he could show people, no, the Lord God is with me. And here's how. Manna is going to fall from the sky. Food is going to fall from the sky. Water is going to come out of a rock. All of these things are, are happening. There was an actual pillar of fire at night that was like, oh, yeah, God's still with us. He's right here. Do you remember this? And then during the day, it was just this... This huge cloud, the pillar of cloud, and oh, where's God? Oh, he's right there. So wherever that pillar goes, they would follow. And so here's God, and he's showing everybody, I'm with Moses. And he gave him signs and wonders to do this, to show his authority, to show Moses' authority to the people. People still doubted Moses, though, didn't they? They still rebelled against Moses. They still turned against Moses. And so here's God, and he showed up in Moses' life in an amazing way. And then he speaks to Joshua. And the the thing that's crazy about this passage is God is saying, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. I will be with you every step of the way. Be strong and courageous because I'll be with you. You're going to be powerful. You're going to be successful. God is going to prosper you because I will be with you. But the whole context is in a book. See, God gave Moses signs and wonders. But he gave Joshua a book. And that's your first line, uh, your, your first item here on this, on this handout is God established Moses with signs and wonders. But God established Joshua with a book. Isn't that interesting? Look with me in the passage. It's it's actually in here. He says in verse 5, let's pick it up there. No man shall be able to to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to give their fathers... Only be strong and very courageous. Now listen, verse 7 here. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. He's referring to the books of the law, the books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's saying everything that we wrote down, everything I gave to Moses and he wrote down, that is your guide. That is your guide authority. And look what he says. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Stay straight in the word, in the book, in the law that I gave Moses. Are you with me? Do not turn to the left or to the right. Then you will have good success wherever you go. Joshua's success was contingent upon whether or not he was obeying the written word of God. Do you understand that? That's what this word is saying here. Joshua and Israel's success was hinged upon if they were obeying the word of God. The next verse, equally powerful. This book... Of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate it. That word to meditate means to mull over, to to keep in your mind, to keep going over it, keep going over it. The idea is like a chow, a, a chow, a cow chews its cud. I know that's kind of a, a gross metaphor there, but that was the idea. You're just chewing it over, like that extra, that extra gum, you know. I like that brand, Extra, because if you have like a certain amount of gum from another brand, it may only last 10, 15 minutes. But I can chew a stick of Extra for hours. You know? And it's, it's that idea of you're just chewing on this. You're just chewing on this. You're meditating. You're reflecting on it. You're thinking about it. And he says, this book of the law, it will not depart from your mouth. That's insane. That's insane. You're going to be speaking this. It's going to be coming out of you. You're going to be dwelling on this. You're going to be meditating on it day and night so that you may be careful to to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. And it's in that context that you get verse 9. Only be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's Joshua. God God revealed himself powerfully through Moses. And Moses had a rough go. But then there's Joshua... And Joshua's thinking, okay, he's going to be with me just like he was with Moses. And, and so maybe I'm going to be able to put my hand in my robe and pull it out. And there will be all this crazy leprosy on there. And maybe I'll get a staff that I can throw down and have it turn into a snake. That would be really cool. And God says, no, no, no. I'm giving you this book. <laughs> can you imagine Joshua? Um, okay, I, you know, I don't really like to read much, but... Uh, Okay, I mean, couldn't you do the snake thing for me? You know? But you know what's interesting? God was still with Joshua, wasn't he? The presence of God was still there. He says that over and over again. And in fact, signs and wonders still took place in Joshua's world, didn't it? In the very next passage, you see that God allows the Jordan River to stop and separate. And they cross the Jordan River on dry ground. You remember that story? That happens in the next chapter. God does all, all kinds of amazing things. The walls of Jericho just fall down. Just because they marched around and, and went, ah, and blew some trumpets and stuff, and they just fell down. That's, that's ridiculous. But, but God was with Joshua in powerful ways. But for Joshua, God was saying the book is the most important thing. Don't be chasing the signs and wonders. I'll do that in my time, and my will. But this is what you need to chase. This is what you need to be devoted to. This is your authority. Don't turn from the left. Don't turn to the right. Just be in the Word. Be thinking about it. Be meditating about it day and night. It should always be on your mouth. This is my Word. God established Moses through signs and wonders... But he established Joshua with his his word, with a book. And so the next thing on there is there's this little formula I wanted to give you. Book plus presence is greater than signs and wonders. Do you understand? We, We live in a world, and actually we live in a city especially, that is consumed with this idea of signs and wonders. God wants to do amazing things, and God wants to do this and that and whatever, and... You know what, though? God is better than even his miracles. God is better than even the benefits that we have from him and in him. God can take your situation and he can miraculously turn it around. Did you know that? He could take a burnt house snap his fingers, or speak the word, and it could be brand new, restored. He could totally do that. The power of reality is in God's hands. Reality is whatever he says it is. Lazarus was dead, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he was alive. God is powerful. He can do a miracle in your life. He can do a miracle in your marriage. He can do all kinds of things. He can heal you. I've been a part of God healing a person. He still heals. He still works. I've seen it happen. He still speaks. But when we're chasing the miracles, we lose sight of the glory of the Holy One. We cannot diminish him by focusing on his benefits. You see, that's the important thing is God gave himself to us, and he revealed himself. This is his very breath, and the synonym of breath is spirit, right? Remember that from last time? Ruah, it's his breath, it's his wind, it's his spirit, and it's written down for us so that we have it. And for so many people, we just don't even open this. We don't even read it. We don't know what's in here. Cleanliness is next to godliness, Is that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. It's not a bad thing to say. I don't think it's really true. It's certainly not in here. A lot of people think that phrase is somewhere in the Bible. What about it? Uh, Turn in your Bibles to the book of Hezekiah, please. It's not in the Bible. A lot of you knew that. Some of you didn't. It's okay. We're not picking on anybody but the the idea is few people are reading this this word this book and it's God he's saying this is me for you now fast forward a few thousand years from Joshua and we get to Jesus we get to the the early church And here's Jesus, and he speaks his word. He he does his ministry. He he has three solid years of serving, of showing people the the kingdom of God. And he does this through through the word. He does this through signs and wonders. He does this through fulfilling prophecies. He, He healed people. He met their physical needs. He met their spiritual needs. He did all of these things. And then we get to Acts. And Acts is, the whole book of Acts is built on the foundation of the ministry of Jesus. People were coming to Jesus, giving their lives to Jesus in, you know, they were coming in droves in the book of Acts. Why? Because Jesus had tilled the ground. Jesus had cultivated their hearts and spoken to them. And then the book of Acts takes place full of signs and wonders. The next point in your outline is God established his church with signs and wonders. He established his church with signs and wonders. It's what we have in the book of Acts. He's doing amazing things. But we also see in the rest of the New Testament, we get a book. (laughs) I think it's very similar to the Moses and Joshua situation. In fact, you see in Hebrews that what happened... In Exodus and the establishment of God's people, Israel was a sign. It was a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do in a better way with his church. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was a better Moses with a better way. And God did it in the, in the Old Testament so that we could see the truth and the power of what he was doing in his full plan of salvation in the New Testament. And so here it is all over again. You see, the early church, they had this thing, especially the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, they loved to chase signs and wonders. That's how you knew somebody had authority. And so turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Would you do that with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2. You see, it's kind of like, Man, I I wish wish God would be with us just like he was with the original apostles. Do you ever wish that? How do you know he's not? What if this is God being with us just like he was with them? Except now we have something that's objective. Objective. Something that's holy and pure and true. And regardless of how I feel in the moment, this is going to speak to me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's start at the beginning, just so we have a good context here. I know we got to wrap things up here. But Paul is speaking to Timothy. This is, this is basically 1 Timothy, First Timothy is, is being a pastor 101. And 2 Timothy is being a pastor 201. Okay, this is Paul writing to his protege. He's saying, this is how to be a pastor. This is how you lead the church. This is important things for the church. And so the context in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, you then, my child, he's talking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I love that verse. That verse is all about multiplication. You see four generations of believers in that one verse, 2 Timothy 2 2. The next verse here Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer. Who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I, I love what Paul did here to Timothy. He writes and he says, be like a soldier. Be like an athlete. Be like a farmer. Think about this. God will give you understanding. I don't even need to explain myself. Don't you just love that? It's a very Eastern way to teach, by the way. We like the answers. We don't like, you know, we don't like people to, like, give us a riddle. No, just give me the answer. I'll remember the answer, okay? But here's Paul, and he's writing to Timothy. He says, think about this. Meditate on this, and God will give you understanding. What's the deal? Why did he say a soldier? Why did he say an athlete? Why did he say a farmer? Well, a soldier, he says, a soldier has to keep focused on the mission to not get sidetracked. Don't let small things get in your way, Timothy. Be focused on your mission, just like a a good soldier. Remember what you're called to. Don't get sidetracked. And the next one is, why an athlete? Because athletes have to go through training. It's difficult. It's tough. Nobody likes to go running. Nobody likes to exercise or do conditioning. But he's saying, you go through this, and you have to run the course. You have to go through the course. There are no shortcuts. Be willing to do the work. And then he says to a farmer, he uses the example of a farmer, it's hard work. Set yourself up to work hard. You have to be ready to work hard, but also to let God do his work. You know, a farmer does his part, but really there's a lot that a farmer can't control. And so he's saying, be a soldier, be an athlete, be a farmer. Do your part and God will do his if you're in a situation right now where you're needing God to come through, there's a part you have to play. There's transformation God wants in you. For your marriage to be healed, there's a part you have to play. For your relationship with your kid, your neighbor, coworker, whatever it is, do your part. And trust that God will do his part. Amen? He will. So then we'll keep going. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Verse 8. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel for which I am suffering. Bound in chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That is thought to be an early church creed. That was something that they learned and they memorized and said to each other over and over again. Just a few months, just a few years after Jesus had gone back up into heaven. Now, pick up with me in verse 14. Remind them. Of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene among them. Are Hymeneus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. That's an interesting word. Swerved from the truth, in verse 18, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now listen, this is a passage that we've heard of a lot. If you've been to Awana, do you know what Awana stands for? I'm going to put a plug in for Awana. Awana starting up in a few weeks. Be ready for that. It's going to be great. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Right? The idea of study to show yourself approved by God. A workman who doesn't need to be ashamed because you rightly handle the word of truth. That means to cut straight and Hymenius and Philetus, they swerved from the truth. And he's saying, don't be like them. Be like somebody who's straight. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. But stay true to the word of truth. Now here's this, this word in the Bible. This is really quick. But it's a Greek word, rhema. Everybody say that with me. Rhema. rema." Yeah, there you go. Now, it's an interesting word because it could be rendered two different ways. It can apply to a spoken word or a written word. A written word or an uttered word can be rhema. Now, here's the context. And I want you to remember this. This might upset you. It might make you angry. I don't want to make you angry. But every commentator that I'm reading struggles with this. I I don't know if people see it or don't see it or what. But here's Timothy. And he's in a situation where he doesn't have the book of 2 Timothy yet, does he? I mean, imagine the first time that he's reading. He he does not have the New Testament that we have. What does Timothy have? He has the scriptures, the the, the sacred books of the Old Testament. But he does not have the New Testament yet. So when Paul is writing to Timothy, what is he talking about? He's saying, study the word of truth. Rightly divide the word of truth. What's the word of truth? He didn't have the Bible. What did he have? In the New Testament, they had the spirit of the living God. The spirit of God would speak to them. The spirit of God would move them. The spirit of God would lead them. And they were led by the spirit. Now, in this context, what was happening is they were in a situation where Timothy or somebody would speak up and say I have a word from the Lord and then somebody else would speak up and say well I have a word from the Lord my word from the Lord says we should go here well my word from the Lord says we should go here do you understand they were quarreling over God told me this God told me that have you ever had somebody do that to you somebody come to you and say you know God told me blah 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 Or God has led me to do this. God has led me to do that. Have you ever had that? Have you ever been that person? You know, Lord, just, uh, he wants me to rake your leaves. Is that a, some of you are so happy, like, please. But does God still speak like that? Absolutely. He absolutely leads us and guides us and speaks to us. But listen, Ramah is a spoken word, it's also a written word. As soon, now stay with me here, as soon as Timothy got this letter from Paul, imagine him reading it for the very first time. As soon as he got this from Paul, this was authoritative. Everything he had been hearing from the Spirit of God was now clarified. By this authoritative word. Did you understand that? The written word of God supersedes the perceived spoken word of God. If you think God wants you to do this, how do you know if that's for real or not? The written word of God. This was the authority for the early church. The apostles' writings was the authority for the early church and when they read it they said, okay, whatever I'm feeling right now is subjected to this. It's submitted to what these apostles are saying. This is what's authoritative. For Timothy, as soon as he read this, he realized, okay, this is how I need to act. This is how I need to behave. This was authoritative. And if it's authoritative to them, it should be authoritative to us here and now today. I've got so many people that come up to me and say, well, the Lord just wants me to be happy. God's calling me to divorce my wife. You know what? God is not leading me to serve in this ministry. (laughs) God is not leading me to do something I don't want to do. You know what? People abuse that all the time. We need to be careful. What does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? It means to know truly what God is leading you and guiding you to do. It means that you study, you work hard, you you humble yourself. Lord, is this my will or is it your will? Do you remember? There are a lot of people, and you might be one of them. You might be listening and, and thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't like it when God's word contradicts me, I don't like it when God's word tells me how I should live. Guess what? He's the God. We're the humans. And you may not like it, but if you have a God that agrees with you in every way, I'm going to tell you right now, that's an invented God. If the Bible, if God does not have the authority to contradict you, to challenge you, to command you, what authority does it have at all? So, here we are. We're people that hear from God. What do we do with that? If somebody comes to me and says, the Lord wants me to do this, you know what I immediately do? I begin filtering what does the word of God say. This is our standard. This is our authority. So how do you hear from God? That's the last thing. How do you do it? Well, it's God's word. The scriptures. The Bible. God speaks to us. Did you know I I could tell you story after story after story where God helped me get to a train in India where I, I had no idea where the train was, and I said, Lord, you gotta just lead me to the train. He gave me an idea and I went with it, and it was the train. It was an absolute disaster mess, but God got me there. I've had I've had God speak to me. I've had God do this. But in every step of the way, it is always filtered. Through the authority of the Bible. The problem is, is we live in a world where the authority of Scripture is being diminished and diminished and diminished. What are we to do? Are you allowed to live according to this book anymore? George Mueller is one of my heroes in the faith. He lived a couple hundred years ago. Started some orphanages. did, Did a lot of good for the people of Brisbane. And uh, not Brisbane, Bristol. Yeah. Now, George Mueller had a way of reading God's word that was powerful. He would open the Bible and he would read and he would read in Psalms or Proverbs or wherever and he would read. And then all of a sudden, if God brought something into his mind, he would spend time praying on that. He would receive that as like, okay, this is where God wants my thoughts to be right now. And he'll spend some time praying about that and then he'll get back into the word and he'll read. And then when God brings up something else, he'll spend time praying about that. It was literally a give and take. It was an ongoing conversation that he had with God through his word. That was how he had his devotions. Isn't that amazing? You and I could do that. But God speaks to us. But he speaks to us through the scriptures. Why? Why? For one, it's objective. If I'm feeling down and discouraged and I just say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me? My feelings, my emotions might cloud what the Spirit of God might be leading me to do. Did you know that? There are times you want to quit, times you want to be discouraged. Not want to be discouraged, but you are discouraged. That can cloud your judgment. That can muddy what, what you're hearing from the Lord. The Word of God is objective. You might be having the worst day. You might be so discouraged. But you open the Word of God and He's speaking to you. And it means what it means, regardless of how you feel about it. It says what it says, regardless of how you feel about it. It's objective. It's unchanging. And it's speaking the truth to you. And I've been reading in Proverbs in my own devotions. And one thing, I, I just love Proverbs. You see it over and over again. Proverbs 8 I was reading last night. And it's saying, wisdom is crying out. Wisdom is saying, search for me. If you seek me, you'll find me. And that idea of if you want to hear from God, just cry out to him. Just just try. Just open his word. Just search for the word of God and he will speak to you. Wisdom is crying out. James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will just dump a whole bucket full on him. Doesn't say the bucketful part. I added that. But the idea is I'll give a bunch of it to you. Do you guys remember those 3D, those 3D posters back from the 90s? You know? Do you remember those things? They were like, they looked like just dots on the wall. And you looked at it, and I remember for the longest time I could not see the picture on the on the frame. Do you guys remember? Nod your head if you're with me. Like I, I don't know. I guess like seven of you remember this. Anyhow, Google it. It was a thing in the 90s. It was a big deal. People had them on their office walls and stuff. Anyhow, you had a picture within a picture, but you could only see it if you really tried, if you let your eyes unfocus a certain way. Do you remember? And I remember the first time that ever happened to me. I was looking at this picture. Somebody had given it to me as a gift. It was one of those gifts. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's, that's great. You know? I'm 17. What am I going to do with this? But, but I, I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I just said to myself, I am going to see it this time. I'm going to see it. And, you know, I had been there for minutes, maybe 20 minutes plus, and, you know, my little brother would walk in. Oh, hey, it's a boat. That's pretty cool. I'm like, shut up, go. I didn't know what it was. And, and I was looking, and all of a sudden, somehow, my eyes focused in just the right way, and I saw it. And I I couldn't believe it. And it just happened and I saw it. That's a lot like it is with God's word. You see, you might be reading the Bible and you're just thinking, man, this is boring stuff. The Bible isn't boring. You're boring. (laughs) No, no, your approach to it is probably boring. Listen, the word of God, when you thirst for it. When you hunger for it, it revolutionizes. It revolutionizes your perspective. And it stays with you. You want to you know how God speaks to me usually? I'll be driving in the car. Or this morning when I heard about the loss of my friend. That God brings, God brings Scripture to my mind. Brings verses to my mind. You see, that's God being with us. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Would you do that as the worship team comes up? Let's reflect on this. What is the Bible worth to you? What is it worth to you? Is it just something on the margins of your life? Would you stand with me as we just reflect on this? What is God's word worth to you? If you had to give up your phone or your Bible, which one would be easier for you to part with? The point is, what is God's word worth to you? Are you willing to dive into this book? Are you willing to intently search? Like wisdom cries out, if you'll search for me like a hidden treasure, you'll find it. Are you willing... To allow God to change you and lead you. He will do it. And I love how, how God spoke to Joshua and he said, I will be with you and I will lead you and I, I'll guide you. But it's through my book. And Paul's saying to Timothy, I'm gonna, God is speaking to you, but, but listen, this is how you know what God is saying. It's his word. It's the Bible. And it's, it's, it's worth. Everything. It can transform everything if you'll dive in.